Somebody ought to lift up the voice of a winner this morning. Somebody ought to lift up the voice of a champion this morning. Somebody ought to lift up the voice of an overcomer this morning. Oh, clap your hands and give God your best praise. My God, my God. Woo! I feel the fire of the Holy Ghost in this building today. Anybody thankful to be in the house of God this morning? My, 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 you can be seated for just a few moments. Let me say on behalf of this church and the beautiful First Lady, what an absolute privilege and honor it is to have all of our guests and visitors in the house of the Lord this morning. Church, would you help me make some crazy noise with your hands? Come on, help me give a great ovation this morning to all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us. It is one of our highest privileges to have you right here at the Rock Church this morning. My first, in, our, our first impressions team and our hospitality team uh, let us know that as of earlier in the service, there was already over 20 guests in the building with us this morning. I don't know how many more have come in since then, but would you help me one more time just welcome all of them to the house of the Lord this morning. We are so thankful to have you here. If this is your first time at the Rock Church, you should have received a VIP invitation card. When you walked in the building, you should have received a VIP invitation card. And if you didn't receive one of those, if you would just raise your hand, momentarily we'll bring one right to you. We want to make sure that all of our first-time guests have one of those. That card is an invitation for you to join us immediately following the service in our VIP hospitality room. We have a special room prepared with uh, some light refreshments, we have uh, a small gift that we want to give you as a token of our appreciation and welcome for you being with us here this morning. So when the service is dismissed, if you'll just go out to the lobby, you're going to find a red carpet. And when you find that red carpet, there'll be somebody there to usher you into that VIP room. Amen. Would you help me one more time, church? Put your hands together for all of our guests that are here. Amen. So good to have you in the house of the Lord. As has already been mentioned, this is going to be an amazing week. Our vacation Bible school program will be running. And so if you have any young people or you know of any young people that would enjoy and like to be a part, get with us immediately after the service and we'll help you make sure they get registered. We want them to be here for an amazing time. Amen. Hallelujah. Did anybody come ready for the word of the Lord this morning? Let's stand to our feet as we prepare for the word of the Lord in this house. And while you're standing, uh, I'm so excited to uh, see all that the Lord is doing. Last night or yesterday, we baptized a young man by the name of Tommy in Jesus' name for the remission of his sins. He received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, there's nothing more exciting than the revival that is taking place in this house. And uh, we're thankful for that. It's good to see Sister Angie and those beautiful babies home. <laughs> we almost sent the Rock Church helicopter to get her in Puerto Rico. And uh, I'm just joking about the helicopter, by the way. Just... Okay, some of y'all be wondering what's going on here. We we don't really have a helicopter. I was just some some troll on our live stream will probably start saying something right about now. Amen. But we're glad she's back in the house of the Lord. We're really glad those babies are back in the house of the Lord. Amen. How many of you came ready to have church this morning? I mean, you came ready to have church this morning. I was in Little Rock, Arkansas this week preaching and uh, had the privilege of preaching Friday night 
And uh, I got done preaching Friday night, and yesterday I was in airplanes for a good part of the day trying to get home. And while I was riding in that airplane on my way back to the promised land, (laughs) I felt something stirring in my spirit. What I preached on Friday night there, I was just still rumbling in my spirit. And and, and it led me to to another portion of scripture. And and it was just all on me. And so I just, I I hope y'all are ready. I'm ready to have a conference church service this morning. Y'all ready to just have church this morning? Book of Matthew chapter 16 is where I want to invite you to read the word of the Lord with me. I want to read three verses of scripture, verse 13 through 16. When you have it, somebody shout word up. If you don't have it yet, it'll be on the screen right behind me. It says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And for a few moments this morning, I simply want to preach about hell's conspiracy hell's conspiracy I need some Holy Ghost filled saints of God to put your Bibles down and one more time put your hands together and clap your hands all ye people and while you're clapping your hands let's do what the Bible says and shout unto God with the voice of trust Come on, release your triumphant voice. Release your triumphant voice. Hey! My God, my God, my God. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. A conspiracy is a secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or harmful. Can I tell you this morning that from the very beginning of time, Satan's agenda and strategy has been one of trickery and deception. His modus operandi or his mode of operation, if you will, has been that of a deceiver. When you go to the very beginning of the scriptures, if we were approaching this from a theological perspective, we would, uh, or study, we would call this the law of first reference. But the first time that we find Satan appearing in the scripture, canonologically, in the order of the way that it is laid out to us, we find him in the Garden of Eden, and he is presented to us as a serpent. And the Bible said that the serpent was the most subtle beast of the field. 
That means that his uh, description, his adjective was uh, that he could change things uh, in such a manner uh, that you may not even recognize what was happening. Uh, he had the ability to somehow uh, work on something uh, and create a change uh, that was so uh, hidden and so veiled uh, that before you even knew uh, what had happened, uh, there was a change uh, that had taken place. Uh, you know the story, the Bible, we find Satan uh, as a serpent sliding up uh, next to Eve and he begins uh, a conversation with her uh, and somehow through the discourse uh, of his connection with her, I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, but maybe this was not uh, the first time uh, that he had approached her in the garden. It, from all indicators, there is a good reason to believe that perhaps uh, this had been a dialogue that was ongoing. There somehow was developed a uh, connection here to where uh, what he had to say uh, had influence over her. Uh, and he had built enough of a connection uh, that she trusted him. Uh, that she, that, can I just insert this right here? That's why you've got to be careful uh, the kind of conversations that you keep with people. Uh, because not everybody uh, can be trusted. Uh, not, every, oh, not everybody that wants to talk to you uh, has a pure motive. Uh, not everybody that wants to connect with you uh, has a pure heart. And she begins to speak and the Bible picks up uh, and we find uh, her speaking to Satan. Uh, and finally Satan approaches her uh, when the time is right uh, and he says, uh, did God really say that you can't eat of the tree uh, of the knowledge of good and evil. Be careful of people that ask you questions that they already know the answer to. <laughs> he already knew the answer to the question. He had a motive behind his question to her. Uh, you've got to be careful when any kind of a voice uh, begins to get you to question uh, the voice of God. Uh, be careful of any kind of influence uh, that begins to work on you uh, and get you to second guess uh, the voice of God or the authority uh, of God that's in your life. The moment that begins to happen, uh, your snake radar should get turned on. Uh, the moment that happens, uh, your serpent senses uh, ought to go off inside of your heart. Uh, the moment that happens, uh, your deception uh, detection uh, ought to start to alarm you uh, that there's trouble uh, going on. Right, That's a good point uh, in a conversation uh, to hold your finger up uh, and just go for the back door. Uh, this conversation uh, is over with. Uh, this conversation uh, is, you see, if she would have ended the conversation uh, right there, uh, she never would have made uh, the mistake. Uh, if she would have said goodbye uh, right there, uh, she never would have failed. But it was through deception that he begins to work uh, his plan. And so it is as we follow uh, Satan throughout Scripture, uh, his entire premise of attack uh, is a premise uh, of uh, deception. As a matter of fact, uh, in the book of John chapter number 8, uh, Jesus said uh, concerning Satan uh, that he was a murderer uh, from the beginning, uh, that when he speaks, uh, he speaketh lies. Uh, how do you know when Satan's lying to you? Uh, when his mouth is moving. He speaketh a lie, and it says he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. You had better recognize this morning that your enemy's entire concept of strategy against you is built on deception and lies. It's fake. It's a facade. It's a trick. It's a trap. It's a bait and switch. The Bible tells us that we are not ignorant of Satan's 
devices. There are too many Christians uh, that walk around ignorant uh, of Satan's devices, uh, filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, and as ignorant as can be. Uh, and so the enemy makes quick uh, work of them, uh, and you find them every time you turn around uh, stumbling over Satan's attempts, uh, stumbling over his tricks, uh, stumbling over his lies. Uh, but somewhere uh, you've got to get a revelation uh, that he is a liar. Oh, my God. He is a liar. Book of Revelation goes on to say that he is, in, the, in chapter 12, verse number 9, it calls him that old serpent, Satan. Listen, that deceiveth the whole world. It started out with just deceiving Eve. But when you find the end of the story in the book of Revelation, his abilities and his influence and his strength became so widespread that he was able to deceive the whole world. I'm not going to get into it this morning, uh, but if you just take 10 minutes looking at the news, uh, you can see right now uh, how easily and how quickly uh, Satan has been able uh, to come against the entire globe uh, with one lie, with two lies, uh, with three deceptions. Uh, he has been able uh, to influence an entire, uh, I used to wonder, I used to say, God, how, how, how is the Antichrist, how is Satan going uh, to be able to really trick Ever, I mean, ever, the whole world, how, how is that that the whole world and these past few months, uh, my eyes have been opened uh, to understand uh, the agenda and the ability. Uh, you better reckon, I just dropped this right here. Uh, you better understand that we're living uh, in the last days. Uh, there may have been a time uh, that you could mess around with God uh, and say, I'll get right with God uh, one of these days, uh, but that's not the day we're living in. Uh, if there was ever a time uh, to make your calling uh, and your election sure, uh, it's right now. Uh, now is the time uh, to let hell know uh, I'm done. Uh, I'm through. Uh, I'm done with the world. Uh, I'm not gambling with my life. Uh, I'm not gambling with my soul. Uh, I'm not gambling uh, with the time I have left. Uh, above all else, uh, I must uh, be uh, saved. Uh, I ain't got time uh, to smoke it. Uh, I ain't got time to drink it. Uh, I ain't got time to cheat it. Uh, I ain't got time uh, to fool with the world. Uh, I ain't got time to be offended. Uh, I don't have time to be bitter. Uh, I ain't got time to backslide. Uh, God is coming back uh, and he's looking for a people uh, that are ready. My God, I just feel like pushing a little bit further. Uh, one of the deceptions of the enemy uh, is that you have plenty of time. Uh, just hit the snooze button again. Uh, you don't have to worry about it today. Uh, there'll be another church service. Uh, there'll be another revival. Uh, there'll be another opportunity. Uh, but somebody better rip back the cloak uh, of the enemy this morning uh, because today uh, is the day uh, of salvation. Uh, and now... Uh, is the appointed time. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's a fake. He's a fraud. He's a phony. And I'm not so worried about the world because I expect the world to fall into their trap. But I'm concerned about church folk. Who don't recognize the day and hour that they're living in. And they're allowing the lies of Satan and the tactics and the move of Satan to cause them to be distracted, cause them to become lukewarm, cause them to get their eyes off of the prize. Hear me, church? I'm sounding the alarm this morning. It's time to wake up. It's time to get your heart right. It's time to get on fire for God. If you've never been on fire for God, 
now is the time. If you've never been a prayer warrior, now's the time to start praying. If you've never been a soul winner, now's the time to win a soul. If you've never, come on, it's time to count the cost. It's time to sell out. It's time to turn your back on this world that's dying and let hell know I will not be lost. I will not die. Come on. Time for dead Christians is over with. My God, the world is protesting everything. I'll tell you what I want to protest this morning. I want to protest dead church. We can't afford to have dead church. We can't afford to take a service off. We can't afford to come in here tired and weary and broke and busted and disgusted. Every time we walk in this building, it's game on, devil. Eternity is at stake. Souls are at stake. Dominion is at stake. Territory is at stake. It's time for the church to wake up. time for the church to wake up. It's time for some people to break some cycles. How many times are you going to walk around that mountain? How many times are you going to repeat the same mistakes? How many times are you going to fall for the same trick? Oh, I feel something right there. How many times are you going to let the enemy play you like an idiot over and over again over the same thing? Somewhere you better get a revelation and pull the mask off of hell and let the devil know, I see you. I see what's going on. I understand what's happening. And I refuse to sit back and be a victim of the attack. Attack of hell. There's a conspiracy of hell to work against God's people. And in case you think I'm preaching over the top or I'm being hyperbole, Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 24, that if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. Don't you think just because you've got the Holy Ghost uh, that somehow uh, that's your ticket uh, into heaven? Uh, and just because you are about, oh, I'm going to preach real good uh, to some dead apostolics right now. Uh, just because you were baptized uh, and received the Holy Ghost, uh, all you got to do is crawl into a building uh, and sit on a pew three times a week, uh, and somehow you're going to make it uh, into heaven. Uh, the devil is uh, a liar. You better get a hold of this truth. Uh, like you've never gotten it before. You better get a love for this truth like you've never got it before. There ought to be something that ignites inside of you like never before. I will not be deceived. I will not be duped. I will not be tricked by the enemy. Hey! You understand, the Bible didn't say that they were deceived because they didn't know the truth. It didn't say they were deceived because they had never obeyed the gospel. It said they were deceived because they never received a love for truth. Come on. I'm just going to drop this right here. I can tell... Real love by the level of passion that's associated with it. Because people are passionate about what they love. I just need some married couples to give me an amen. 
if you don't have passion, your relationship won't last very long. Don't tell me you love me and there's no passion between us. Hear me, somebody, when you love truth, there's a level of passion that gets on you concerning living for God, concerning the truth, concerning the things. That's why I can't just come into the house of the Lord and sit on my pew with my tongue on the ground and my arms folded. Why? Because I love this thing. I love the church. I love truth. I love God. If you're going to make it to heaven, it's going to be because you've got a love for truth. There'll be passion in your spirit to worship your God. <laughs> Woo! The word worship comes from the words worth-ship. It's the value you place on something. And in the Old Testament, they would place value on something by bringing an offering to the altar. Don't tell me how much you love God and you never bring the sacrifice of praise. Oh, it's going to get quiet up in here. Don't tell me how much you love God. My God, when you love him, you're passionate about worshiping him. I want the whole world to know I'm a living epistle known and read of all men. People will know how much you love your God before you ever open your mouth when they watch you worship. People will know how much you love God before you ever quote a scripture by the way that you live. Y'all act like you came to have church this morning. And so the entire premise of hell is a premise of deception. Hell is constantly calculating and doing research in the world of government and spying. It's called espionage. Hell is constantly surveilling you. Hell is watching you. Hell is taking notes on you. Come on, can I get a witness in the building? You'll remember that old King David, the Bible says that it was a time when kings went to battle, but David tarried still in Jerusalem. I could stop and preach there for a minute because he should have been on the battleground fighting with everybody else. But when you're not where you're supposed to be, that's when Satan will move in. When you're locked up in your house instead of in the battle, Battleground. David should have been on the battleground, but he's in Jerusalem. And the Bible said he walked out on the porch. And Yabba Dabba Doo, he saw Bathsheba down there taking a bath. Oh, y'all getting quiet in here. And the Bible said, David began to look on Bathsheba. Well, but can I submit to you that while David was looking at her, there were demons looking at him. While David was watching her, there were devils watching him. There's enemies that are calculating your weakness. There are enemies that are watching what your proclivities are. They're taking notes on what your temptations are. The enemy is practicing spiritual espionage because he wants to set a trap for you. Oh, yeah. Part. Uh, now that was my introduction. I preached all of that to get to my sermon. 
hell's conspiracy. We find it in Matthew chapter 16. There are three things, three elements uh, in the dialogue between Peter uh, and Jesus uh, that give us a revelation uh, of hell's conspiracy. Uh, there are three things, uh, and if you're taking notes, write it down. Uh, there are three things uh, that hell uh, doesn't want you to know. There are three things that hell at any cost will stop you from having a revelation of. The first thing that Jesus asked, he said, who do men say that I am? And the first thing that hell doesn't want you to know is who your God is. I just need a witness in the building. The first part of hell's plan uh, is they cannot ever know, uh, really have a revelation uh, of who their God is. Uh, I don't mean just his name, uh, but who he is. Uh, he's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Rofika. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's El Shaddai. El Elyon. Elohim. He's wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God. The everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace, the Great I Am, the Alpha, the Omega, the Beginning, the End. He's the Lamb. He's the Lion. He's the High Priest. He's the Lamb for sinners slain. He's the Wheel in the middle of the Wheel. He's the Root out of Jesse. He's the Kinsman Redeemer. He's my God. He's the Prince of Peace. Hell doesn't want you to understand who your God is. Brother Donnelly, that revelation starts with understanding that he's one God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's the fundamental revelation of who God. Why do you think that hell has propagated the lie of Trinitarianism and the lack of revelation? Because once you get a revelation of who your God is, Jesus said, I am. And they picked up stones to kill him. Why? Because these Hebrews understood their Bible. They knew that when Moses asked God, who shall I say sent me? He said, tell them that I am sent you. And so when Jesus said, I am, he was plainly telling them, I am God. I am the Father. He that hath seen me hath seen. I just need some one God apostolics in this building to shout over the revelation of who he is. I know who God is, and I know what his name is. Why doesn't hell want you to know who your God is? Because Daniel chapter 11 and verse number 32 says, the people that know their God shall be strong and shall do exploits. When you know who your God is, there's a strength that comes upon you. When you know who your God is and you've got a revelation, it takes the weakness out of you. It'll cause feeble knees to be strengthened. It'll cause you to stiffen your back. It'll cause you to square your shoulders. They that know their God shall be strong. God's got a strong church, not a weak church, not a discouraged church, not an oppressed church. God's got a strong church. My God, they shall be strong. My God, and they shall do 
exploit. An exploit is an, a, an act or a feat that is not easily achieved by normal practices or efforts. God said, my church that knows who I am, they're going to be strong, and you're going to step back and watch them do what people said they couldn't do. I got a church uh, that will break the rules uh, of normal. I've got a church uh, that'll operate above uh, natural expectation. I've got a church uh, that will transcend uh, human limitation. I've got a church uh, that will break through barriers uh, of resistance. I've got a church uh, that's strong uh, and will do uh, exploits. Knowing who your God is will cause you to stand on a battlefield with a giant. When everybody else said you were too small and everybody else said you were inexperienced and everybody else said you were too young and everybody else said you didn't have the right weapons, knowing who your God is will cause you to defy the odds and stand in the face of adversity and stand in the face of fear and <laughs> ain't it something David walks on the battlefield and there's a whole bunch of soldiers shields Swords, they got everything they need, and they're hiding in the bushes, all suited up and nowhere to go. God doesn't need a toy soldier church that sits on a shelf with your nice suit and your pretty dress and you look like you're ready for battle but you're no threat to the enemy. Hear me, somebody, God will take somebody who doesn't look the part. God will take somebody that doesn't have the experience. God will take somebody that doesn't have the training and he'll raise them up to stand in the face of a giant because they that know their God shall be strong. David's confused. He said, y'all hear what he's saying? How dare, how dare this uncircumcised Philistine open his mouth against the God of Israel? I can see him looking around at all those soldiers uh, hiding, sitting down uh, with their head in between. What's the matter with you? Uh, he eventually said, is there uh, not a cause? Uh, isn't there a reason uh, to say, you must not serve the same God I serve? Uh, because if you knew who your God was, uh, you wouldn't be sitting there. Uh, if you knew who my God was, uh, you couldn't just, God help me. David marches on the field. You see, the only thing they could talk about was how big their giant was. They had all of his measurements. I want to know which one of them snuck in and measured his shield. I want to know which one of them had enough courage to sneak into his tent while he was sleeping and measure how tall he was and then sneak back out instead of killing the joker in his sleep. Sometimes we've got more faith in measuring our enemy than we do in God giving us victory over. They had all of his statistics down. Here's how big he is. Here's how big his sword is. Here's how many people he killed. He's been a warrior from his youth up. And all they could talk about was how big their giant was. But something happens to me when I get in the midst of people that want to talk about how big their devils are and their troubles are. I start talking about how big my God is. I 
Somebody hear this preacher. It's time to stop telling God about how big your giant is. And it's time to start telling your giant how big your God is. It's time to get off your knees and quit praying to God about your giants and start talking to your giants about your God. You come to me with a sword and with a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. I dare somebody this morning to just rear back and start to just rear back and start letting hell know. I don't care about your sword. Let me tell you about Jehovah. I don't care about your shield. Let me tell you about... You ought to let the giants hear you this morning. You ought to shout in the face of your trouble this morning. You ought to shout in the face. Why could David do it? Because he knew his God. God had a track record with him. Ladies, he had a testimony. Y'all was shouting last night, where you at this morning? I said David had a testimony. And that's what he fought the giant with. He said, God delivered a bear into my hands. And he remembered the testimony. He said, then... God delivered a lion into my hands. And he remembered the testimony. And he said, if God did it then, he can do it right now. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Somebody ought to stand flat-footed against the devil this morning with your testimony. Devil, you're a liar. Devil, you're a fake. God's beat you before. God puts you under my feet. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? They that know their God shall be strong. Your strength is a testimony of the God you serve. My God, I'm preaching. It's time to quit being a weak Christian. I said it's time. You may not like that. That may not be politically correct. That may not be what society wants to hear. But this preacher standing flat-footed to tell you it's not the will of God that you walk around weak and anemic and emaciated. Your strength is a testimony of the God. They that know their God shall be strong. Strength. Here's what Proverbs 28 and 1 says. I'm trying to hurry. It says, the wicked man fleeth when no man pursueth him. Listen, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous are as bold as a You know how bold a lion is? You want to know why a boldness is so why a lion is so bold because he has no natural predators he's called the king when he wakes up every morning he never looks over his shoulder
when the lion wakes up every morning, he doesn't worry about what's hiding in the bushes. When he wakes up every morning, he doesn't live in fear. God said the righteous are as bold as a lion. Why? You have no natural predator. There is nothing that can overtake you. No weapon formed against you uh, shall be able uh, to prosper uh, when you've got that kind of promise uh, my God you've got a boldness uh, I wonder how some of us would live uh, if we knew we couldn't be defeated uh, if we knew that's a promise to the righteous tell your neighbor you're a lion Somebody ought to just roar in this place. How many of you know that one of the characteristics of a large male lion is that his roar is not to entertain you at the zoo. You study it out. A full-grown lion, when he roars, can be heard miles away. And there's a purpose for his roar. When he opens his mouth, he's letting everything within the sound of his voice know, this is my territory. This is my territory. There's something about the lion of the tribe of Judah. Something happens when we roar. Something happens when we shout. It's not to entertain you. It's not because of the music. There's a supernatural a long system that's letting every devil in hell know ah, this is my house this is my family this is my walk with that promise is to the righteous but of course Satan's a fraud and he's a fake and that's why 1 Peter 5 and 8 says that he goes about as a roaring lion. He's a cheater. He's a copycat. He's a wannabe. He's a wannabe lion. He doesn't go about as a roaring lion, as a lion. He goes about as a roaring lion. He's trying to imitate the people of God. But I came to tell you, they that know their God shall be strong. Hell doesn't want you to know who God is. Man, I just got to point number one. And it's time to quit preaching. I'll preach the rest of it real quick. Number two, the second thing. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? I got to know that you have a revelation of who I am. Peter stands up. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Good job, Peter. He commends him for his revelation, but it wasn't good enough. He didn't just, wasn't just satisfied that Peter knew who God was. He said, now that you know who I am, I'm going to tell you who you are. Thou art Peter. And the second thing that hell doesn't want you to know is who you are. Hell doesn't want you to get a revelation of who you are. I know who my God is, but do you know who you are? Because understanding who you are means everything about the way that you live. I'm not a drunk. I'm not an addict. I'm not a reject. I'm not, I'm not a bastard child. I'm not a failure. I'm not a loser. I'm not a weakling. My God, do you know who you are? I'm not a mess up. I'm not... Hell doesn't want you to know uh, who you are. And the Bible is filled uh, 
with the attempt of Satan to destroy men because of their identity. And over and over again, God is changing the names of people. You're not Simon. You're Peter. You're not Jacob. You're Israel. You're not a deceiver. You're a prince. You're not a sub-planner. You've got power with God. I'm preaching to some people. It's time for you to quit believing the deception and the lie of the enemy over your identity. Satan knows that there's prophetic impetus to your revelation of who you are. Satan is not omnipresent. People saying, well, I fought the devil last night. And this person said, I fought the devil last night. Well, guess what? He wasn't in both places at the same time. He's a fake. He's a fraud. There's eternal impetus to you having a revelation of who you are. That's why the testimony of John the Baptist is that there was no greater prophet than him. It said in one place, the, you know, we always quote, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the but the verse before that says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now. What marked the beginning of this paradigm shift in the kingdom uh, was the ministry uh, of John. But when John was born, they were going to call him Zechariah. <laughs> they weren't going to call him by his real identity. Because Satan is always challenged. He doesn't want you to ever know who God said you are. And he'll start when you're a child. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. He'll start when you're little and let you get molested by a crazy family member to try to mess up your identity. He'll start when you're young and let a drunk father beat you to mess up your identity. He'll start when you're young and let your mama abandon you to mess up your identity and God spoke to that mama and said when your baby's born his name's going to be called John my hand is on him but daddy didn't believe the word of the Lord daddy was more interested in carrying out his own name and God saw it and it was so important to God that God sent an angel and shut the mouth of John's father so that he could not speak. God said, I'm not going to let you mess up this boy's identity. It's too important. It's, I'm not going to let you speak until you get my agenda in your spirit and you get my agenda in your heart. And he could not talk. And when it came time to name John, all of the people in the village said, surely he shall be called Zechariah after his father and his kinfolk. But his mama stepped up and said no don't call him that his name shall be called John and from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent hell doesn't want you to know who you are hell doesn't want you to get a revelation because in your identity is your purpose when you understand who you are it'll change the way you think it'll change the way you talk it'll change Jacob's baby is born. And right before mama dies from childbirth, she names the child based on her trauma. Too many times Satan tries to put an identity on us 
based on the traumatic experiences of our life. You were abused, you were lied to, you were beaten, you were mistreated, you were mishandled. And, and the, the devil tries to put an identity on you. She said, my child's name is going to be Benoni, which means the son of my pain. But when, when mama died, daddy picked up that little child and he said, no, I'm going to fix this right now. This child is not going to go through life associating his identity with his mama's pain. His name is not Benoni. But his name will be called Benjamin, son of my right hand, or son of power. I came to preach to somebody that when you get the Holy Ghost and you're baptized in Jesus' name, there's a name change that begins to happen to you. And it doesn't matter who you are, who you were, or what you've been through. God gives you a brand new identity. Jeremiah 29, 11 moment. God said, for I know the plans. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. The logos. I know the word that I speak. The logos, the logistics. I know the, the plan that I have for you. Plan to give you hope. Plan to prosper you. Plans never to harm you. Plans to bring you to an expected end. Can I just tell somebody that the fight is fixed? God's already got your anointing waiting on you. God's got a calling waiting on you. God's got a place of authority and power. And it's the enemy's agenda to keep you from ever coming to that place. It's the enemy's agenda to stop you from ever getting a revelation of who you are. I gotta hurry. The third thing that hell doesn't want you to know is that hell has limitations. Hell would like you to think that it is unrestricted and that at any moment hell can launch an attack that would do you in. Anybody going to be honest in the building? Uh, there are times that hell uh, wants you to feel like uh, that you are at the mercy uh, of life circumstances. Uh, and you're at the mercy uh, of the attack uh, of the enemy. Uh, but Jesus uh, told Peter, uh, you're not. You're not Peter, you're not a Simon, but you're Peter. And upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Hell is restricted. Hell is restricted. Just ask Job. God said, You want to attack Job? First of all, Satan had to get permission. And there is no attack in your life that God's not aware of. Come on, somebody. There's no attack from hell in your life that is no, not already on the radar of heaven. God already knows what the enemy is trying to do. He said, go ahead, but don't touch his body. And so all hell breaks loose. But every time hell wanted to get to mess with Job, hell was restricted. Hell couldn't go farther than what God said. He'll never let you be faced with more than you can carry. Then Satan comes back and he said, okay, you can touch his body, but you can't touch his life. Hell comes against him, but it doesn't matter what came against Job. Joe kept waking up to see another day. My God, I wonder what would happen if some of God's people started operating under a revelation that hell is restricted, that hell doesn't have permission to just overtake you. Quit living in fear. Quit living in the bondage. Quit living worrying if you're going to make it to the next day. Quit living wondering if you're going to make it. Hell has limitations. 
close with this. I remember when I was in elementary school, Sister Tabitha, I used to have to walk home too. That's common in the hood. <laughs> Kids be, mom and dad be pulling them up in the car. They be all fresh and, and, and downy clean. I'd be pulling up sweaty and raggedy from walking three miles to school. And my pro wings. Kids be pulling up in the bus. They even lower the bus so they could get off easy. Kids walking off the bus. Here I'm running with my backpack. I'm going to be late for school. And sometimes I'd be on my way home and there was this particular alley. Man, I hated going that way because there was this corner we would turn. And when I started walking down the alley, I already knew. And before I ever got to the house, I could hear. He could smell me coming. And I, I'd walk as close as I could. I could hear him. And when I got close to that gate, I'd start running across. That dog would come out, roof, 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 roof. I would run and I wouldn't even look back. But one day, everything changed. One day I took off running. Ah! And I tripped. And I thought, I'm dead. And here came the dog. Roof, roof, roof. And all of a sudden, roof. I looked over and then realized he was on a chain. I had been afraid for nothing. It totally changed the way I started walking by the house. Come on, big boy. That's what I thought. Rough, rough to you too. But see, that's how some of us are living our life every day. Hell's barking at you. Hell's terrorizing you. Hell's threatening you. And hell is a deceiver. Satan wants you to think he's in control. You remember when, when Job faced all of that? We read about Satan speaking with God. But we never read about Satan speaking to Job. There's not one conversation recorded. All of the attack happened. And Job didn't even know about it. Satan never said one word to him. You want to know why? Because he had permission to attack. And when hell has permission to attack... Hell doesn't have to speak. Hell only has to speak when it has to create a deception that it's going to. Y'all are missing that. When hell opens its mouth, it's trying to get you to think that it's something that it's really not. Here's what hell wants you to think it looks like. Put that up for me, Brother Andy. Here's what hell wants you to see. Oh my God. What am I going to do? How am I going to pay my bills? What if I get sick and die? Oh my God. Everything's messed up. Oh my God. But here's how God wants you to see hell. Put the next image up. 
Hell's not in control. Uh, God is in control. Uh, my God, I wish somebody in the building uh, would get up on your feet this morning uh, and just begin to shout uh, because you know uh, that God uh, is in control. Uh, no matter what's happening, uh, no matter what I'm facing, uh, no matter what's going on, uh, God is in control. I came to preach to somebody about hell's conspiracy. God sent me to remind you that God is in control, that God's going to see you through, that God's hand is on you. My God, somebody ought to stand to your feet. If God's talking to you right now, somebody ought to run to this altar and throw your hands in the air. God wants to speak to you. God wants to strengthen you. God wants to deliver you. Come on. I'm preaching to everybody in this building right now. I need you to get up out of your seat and let hell know you're not in control. I will be delivered. I will break through. I will live free. I will have victory. I will be an overcomer. Come on. I'm preaching to some people that have been discouraged this morning. And hell has you beat down. Hell has you entertaining all of its lies. But this morning, God wants you to remember that God's in control. Come on, lift your hands. Is there anybody in this building uh, that needs God to deliver you? Uh, I want you to run down here right now. Uh, come on. Uh, is there anybody that needs uh, a miracle this morning? Uh, run down to this altar uh, with your hands lifted. Uh, is there anybody that needs God uh, to do something for you? Uh, run down here uh, with your hands in the air. Uh, God is able. Uh, I said God uh, is uh, able. Uh, Come on, lift your voice up. No lift your voice. Is, I want you to know that lift we your voice. Lift your voice. No matter what the weapon is, I want you Come to on, know that we uh, will. I'm coming out of this. No I'm matter what the weapon is, I want you to know I'm coming will. out of this. I'm coming out no of this. No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that we will.